This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Now, I want to talk to you this morning real quickly about five things you need to know about the Holy Ghost. Five different things that you need to know about the Holy Ghost. Number one, the Holy Ghost is a gift. Please notice that not a one of these situations did anybody, was anybody instructed or was it necessary for them to tarry or wait or clean themselves up. He's a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. It's called the gift. He's spoken of as the gift of the Holy Spirit. The infilling of the Holy Ghost is always called, talked about the gift of the Holy Spirit. Salvation is talked about the gift of Jesus. God has given us his, his, his Son as the eternal gift of God. So those are two things, two different ways that it's spoken of. The point, the first point that you need to see is that the Holy Ghost is a gift. If he's a gift, then that means any child of God, that brings us to point number two, the Holy Ghost can be received by any and every child of God because he's a gift. See, folks, the Holy Ghost is a gift. And as a gift, he's available to every child of God. Turn with me over to Luke chapter 11. I want to start reading in verse, well, better back up to verse 9. Jesus said, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone, everybody say everyone. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. And here's the example that he uses about to prove that point. He said, If a son asks bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Well, certainly the answer is no. Or if he asks for a fish, will he instead of a fish give him a serpent? Well, of course not. That wouldn't be good for him. And then he says, or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Now notice the three things that are spoken of in, in, uh, uh, that Jesus says, would a father give him this instead? A stone, a serpent, and a scorpion. All three of those things represent, Jesus, uh, represent the devil or unbelief, some characteristic of the devil. And Jesus is simply saying, if a father is asked by his son for any of these things, will he, instead of what he's asked for, give him anything that would be harmful to the son? Of course not. The answer is certainly no. Then Jesus said, if you then, being evil, the word evil just simply means natural, human, carnal beings. If you then, being natural parents, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more, how much more, Shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Now, what is he saying? Well, there's a couple of things you need to see here. Number one, some people have said, and I've heard this said in denominational circles, well, you've got to be careful when you get around those people that believe in the Holy Spirit. You've got to be careful. Because I've known of people, and of course, I've never known of anybody. I've never found anything that can be verified along this line. But I've always heard the story. I've known of people that have asked for the Holy Ghost and gotten something from the devil. Now, that's a, an offshoot from what they used to say, that speaking in tongues was always of the devil. And you go by year after year after year, decade after decade, and somehow it lightens up a little bit as you go, but there's still that hanging on to uh, the devil's involved in that. Jesus just said that was impossible. Jesus said there's no way that you can ask God for the Holy Ghost and get something from the devil. I was uh, talking to a lady one time. She, this was early on in the church, probably 27, 28 years ago almost. And uh, she called, and, and uh, somehow or another she heard of us. I guess we had a radio program on, or maybe she heard of us some other way. But uh, anyway, 
she called and she was from Riverside. Well, she couldn't get here and, and um, uh, she was plagued by anxiety attacks. And at the point in time that we were talking, she had had this thing for four years where she had not left her house. Because the devil told her if she ever left her house, if she ever tried to walk out the front door of her house, that he'd kill her. Well, this thing would come on her and, and her heart would start, uh, you know, fluttering and, and all this kind of stuff. She, she just wasn't able to leave her house. And so somehow or another, she had gotten a hold of us and, and uh, called on the phone. And, and uh, early days of the church, there was nothing else to do, so I just talked to her on the phone. I mean, if there had been people to pass her, I'd been glad to, but there just wasn't anybody coming. So anyway, I talked to her on the phone and, and stayed with her on the phone for quite a while and talked to her about authority and, and so forth. And, uh, and then finally I asked, I said, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? She said, no. She said, I've always wanted to be. She said, I've been seeking the Lord for a long time to be filled with the Spirit. And, uh, and so I said, well, what keeps you from receiving? I knew what the answer was going to be. She said, well, I just don't know. I, I'm just not sure if it's God's will for me to have. You know, He doesn't want everybody to have that. And I said, how'd you get that? Where'd you come up with the idea? She said, well, I don't know. I, I've always been taught that, that God wants some people to have this gift, but not everybody. I said, does God want some people to have Jesus and not everybody? She said, well, no, of course not. And I said, then why would God want certain things for some people that he wouldn't want for other people when he said i'll give you another comforter that he'll abide with you forever he'll be with you and in you well it got her so confused she didn't know which way was up so i said all right i, I could tell that her mind wasn't exactly real sharp because of the anxiety and all that kind of stuff so i said all right let's do this turn with me over to luke chapter 11 she got her bible and i had her read luke chapter 11 and she went through the verses, the very same verses we just read, if you then know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Now, folks, I want you to understand something. It says God gives to His children the Holy Spirit. It does not say God gives to the world the Holy Spirit. So we went through that. I said, you know that Jesus is your Lord. You know God's your heavenly Father, right? She said, yeah. And I said, well, then the Bible says that God will give you the Holy Spirit if you'll ask Him for it. Yeah, but Pastor Mike, I prayed back in 1970-something. She went through her story. I let her have her story. And I said, well, all I know is how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask you? She said, yeah, but what about brother so-and-so that says this? She told her story. I said, well, all I know is that Luke eleven thirteen says that your heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. She came up with another objection. And every time I'd answer the same way, all I know is Luke eleven thirteen? How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? We went through this about 10 times. Honest to goodness, about 10 times. I stayed on the phone with her for 45 minutes. We went through this for about 10 times. Finally, after about the 10th time, and I said, All I know is your heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him. She said, Boy, you know more about the Bible than anybody I've ever seen. <laughs> and all I've said is Luke eleven thirteen, Over and over and over and over again. Well, the short of the story is, we simply prayed over the phone. I got her from the place of not wondering whether or not it was the will of God because the Bible says God will give to His children the Holy Spirit if they'll simply ask Him. I said, are you willing to ask? She said, well, yeah, sure, I'm willing to ask. I said, then the Bible says you'll receive. She said, Pastor Mike, do you think so? And I said, no, I don't think so. All I know is Luke eleven thirteen. <laughs> got her filled with the Holy Spirit, and in a short period of time, got her walking outside in her front yard from that anxiety stuff. 
but it's hinged on being filled with the Holy Spirit because you had to cross that barrier. The Holy Spirit is a gift and He's available for every Christian. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Now, whatever somebody, you or me or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew 8, 17 tells us why he healed everybody who was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. You're looking in the future for something to happen. You need to turn around and look behind you and what the Bible says has already happened. Because behind you is the cross. And on the cross, Jesus shed his blood for your sins, for your peace, literally your financial well-being, and your sickness. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Point number three, third thing you need to know about the Holy Ghost. Tongues always accompany the infilling of the Spirit. Now turn back with me to Acts chapter 8. You may have noticed that of the five examples that we used, only three of them spoke specifically about people speaking in tongues. Acts chapter 2 says they were all filled and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts chapter 10 says, while Peter spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them, and the circumcision were amazed. They of the circumcision were amazed that the Holy Ghost was poured out, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Acts chapter 19, it says Paul laid his hands on them, and they began to, uh, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke with other tongues and prophesied. But Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 9 fail to mention tongues specifically, or do they? Acts chapter 8. This is when Peter and John come down after the Samaria has received the word of God. They've been born again. Verse 17, Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the, uh, the Holy Ghost was given, this is verse 18, he offered them money. Now let me ask you a question. What did he see? He saw something. The previous verses tell us the part that we skipped over tells us about how Simon pr uh, promoted himself advanced himself as some great mystical person. And so now he wants to still be seen in the eyes of the people as somebody great. So when he sees Peter and John lay hands on people and they receive the Holy Ghost, he says, let me offer you money to give me this gift too. He had to see something. What did he see? You wouldn't offer money for something that was unseen, would you? Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given. He offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Notice the word matter. You know what that word matter is? It's the Greek word logos. It's translated word in most other places. For example, in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, Logos. And the Word was with God, and the Word was, with, the word was God, and the Word was with God. Here, what it's speaking of, the word Logos literally means spoken word. 
So when Peter says, thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter of utterance, he's literally talking about a spoken word. You don't have any part in these words that are being spoken. What words are spoken? Well, the Bible says in every other, in, the, in three of the other five examples, it says that they spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So literally what he's saying is you don't have any part in this matter of utterance. It's translated, the, the root word for this is translated utterance in other places in the New Testament. So where the Bible identifies or translates, King James translates this as matter, he's talking about spoken words. You don't have any part in this that has been spoken. Well, what does the Bible tell us in other examples where people were filled with the Holy, Spo Holy Spirit was spoken other tongues? Turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 is, is Paul's example. It says, when Ananias laid hands on him to receive your, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, this is verse 17 of Acts chapter 9. Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales. And he arose, he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Now, it does not say anything about Paul speaking with other tongues. But Paul said he spoke with other tongues. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18, he said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. So he began speaking with tongues somewhere. When did he begin speaking with other tongues? It would be consistent with Scripture to believe that he began speaking with other tongues at the same point in time that other people who were filled with the Holy Spirit began speaking with other tongues, and that is when they received. Now, let me show you something that you can compare. Some people will say, oh, Pastor Mike, you're just adding to the Scripture. Well, let me ask you to consider this. We see that Paul's changed, his lifestyle changed. We see that Paul goes from being a persecutor of the church to somebody that preaches Jesus. We see that Paul develops over a period of time in Romans chapter 9 and verse 3. He wound up saying, I'd be willing to give up my own salvation if only my, my Jewish brethren would receive. These are the people that are persecuting. These are the people that are stirring up trouble against him everywhere he goes. He said if it was possible, he knew it wasn't. He said, but if it was possible... I'd be willing to be accursed or give up my own salvation for my Jewish brethren to receive Jesus for themselves. So we see that the love of God begins to develop in his life. When did it begin to develop? He's the one that tells us in Romans 5, 5 that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. When does that take place? When we're born again. Love is the first fruit of the Spirit that's identified. The first change that takes place on the inside of us when we're born again, when we make Jesus the Lord of our lives, is that love, the seed of God's love, is dropped into our heart. We become children of love instead of children of hate. So even though the Bible doesn't say that's where he began to love, we understand that it is. We understand from the Scripture that that's where it began. So why would it be inconsistent for us to believe that the evidence of the Bible infilling of the Holy Spirit, which is speaking with other tongues, began when Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit, when he himself says he began to speak in tongues? Or the, he himself said that he did speak with tongues. The only thing that's consistent with Scripture is that Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues at that moment. If that's the case, then you've got five out of five, all five examples, where people were filled with the Holy Spirit, that tongues was involved or included. Simon saw something in Acts chapter 8. He said, I want this power. Let me give you money so I can have this power too because I see that something's happening when you lay hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit. Why would he have different evidence than they had in Acts chapter 2 or Acts chapter 10 or Acts chapter 19? 
It's the same evidence. The infilling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is always accompanied with speaking with other tongues. That brings us to point number four, and I want you to turn back with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And they, talking about the 120, were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Point number four is simply this. The Holy Ghost does not talk in tongues. He gives man utterance to speak in other tongues. I can't tell you how many times I've sat down with people and they, they fail to receive when you lay hands on them or pray for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit and you sit down with them and I've learned I'm kind of getting ahead of myself but point number five maybe let me just go ahead and give you point number five and then we'll talk about them both together point number five is there are only two reasons only two reasons why somebody when they're prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit don't receive no point in looking for another reason only two number one is a lack of faith number two is a failure to receive now, I don't say those to be condemning to anybody because they're easily fixed. Both of them are easily fixed. Back to point number four. The Holy Ghost doesn't speak with tongues. I can't tell you how many times I've sat down with somebody afterwards or talked to somebody afterwards. You pray for them. You recognize God's there. The Holy Spirit's there. And folks, please understand something. When you pray for somebody to be filled with the Spirit, God always comes through. I know a lot of people fail to pray for somebody. I've had people come and say, I've been talking to my neighbor or my friend or coworker or whoever it is. I've been talking to them about being filled with the Spirit, and they want to be filled. So Pastor Mike, lay hands on them so they'll be filled with the Spirit. And I always ask, why didn't you do it? Well, we were talking the other day, and we just decided we'd come to church on Sunday. Well, that's several days they've missed being filled with the Spirit. Why didn't you do something about it? And the answer is always the same, whether you get somebody to admit it or not, and that is, well, I was afraid it wouldn't happen if I did it. I have more confidence in you or somebody else doing it than, having it than I have in myself, so I just didn't want to mess it up. Folks, please understand, when you pray with somebody that's saved to be filled with the Holy Spirit, God always does His part. Now, the receiver doesn't always do His or hers. And so that's why there are only two reasons. And they both have to do with a failure to believe or a failure to receive. And, and here's the way to fix the failure to receive. Ask them, what are you expecting to happen when I pray for you or lay hands on you to be filled with the Spirit? Nine times out of ten, probably 99 out of 100, you'll have somebody say, well, I expected that God was going to start talking through me. And that's not the way it works. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, and they, who's the subject of the sentence? They. And they, number one, were all filled with the Spirit Number two, and began. They were filled, and they began to speak with other tongues. Well, what's the Holy Ghost's job? Giving you utterance. As the Spirit gives them utterance. Folks, you need to know something. The supernatural part of tongues is not who's doing the talking. That's you, and that's me. Not the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost has no need to talk in tongues. He's part of the Godhead. He doesn't need to speak divine secrets. He has no secrets. There are no secrets from Him. He understands. We're the ones that don't understand. He doesn't speak with tongues. He gives you utterance so that you can speak with other tongues. 
The supernatural part is not who's doing the talking. The supernatural part is the what that is being said. And that's his utterance. Again, I remember Brother Hagin talking about it. he was in a, a meeting for several weeks and there was a, a school teacher that came from a nearby town that had a friend in that city where he was holding the meeting. She was in this meeting day after day after day after day after day. She'd get in every prayer line. Brother Hagin would have a prayer line. He'd send people off to the prayer room to get saved. But he'd have a prayer line for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit and or to have hands laid on them for healing. And so he's going by laying hands on people. He said, I know that every time I laid hands on her, the Holy Ghost came upon her. But she wouldn't speak, and so he said, I couldn't stop in the middle of the prayer line, take time to teach a Bible lesson. I've got other people to minister to. I just had to go on. He said, finally, the last day, she had to go back to her own hometown. It was a morning service. At the end of the service, the lady that was the friend was a member of that church, stood up as the pastor was dismissing the service and said, Pastor, she, he said, my, my friend is a school teacher from the nearby town. That's how Brother Hagin knew what was going on. And, and she has to go back today, and she's been seeking the Holy Spirit, and she's, been, uh, ha she's had hands laid on her to receive the Holy Spirit, but somehow or another she just hadn't received. Would it be all right for you and Brother Hagin to lay hands on her one time before you dismiss the service and she has to leave? So, well, the pastor looked over at Brother Hagin, and he said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. So she comes up, he lays hands on her, the Holy Ghost came on her again. God always responds when you ask, when you pray and lay hands on somebody to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God always does his job. Always. But that doesn't determine what the individual is going to do. Brother Hagin said the Holy Ghost came on her, and she stood there stone-faced, didn't say a word. So Brother Hagin turned it back over to the pastor. The pastor dismissed the service. Brother Hagin goes out the side door of the church to the, to the they had a little travel trailer there between the church and the parsonage. He was heading back. He had to walk through the parking lot, and this, these two ladies are sitting in the car, and somehow or another somebody's blocked them in, so they're having to wait for everybody else to, to get out into their cars and leave so that they could go out. And Brother Hagin said, my heart really went out to her. He said, I saw her. She was just crying. She was dejected, just so, so you know, depressed about this thing. So he, he said it was December. So he knocked on the window. She rolled the window down. He said, uh, ma'am, may I ask you a question? She said, yeah, sure. He said, he took his Bible, opened it up to, to Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And he said, would you read ver chapter 2, verse 4 for me? So she did. And they were all filled with the Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And Brother Hagin said this, would you tell me, ma'am, who spoke with tongues? She said, well, the Holy Ghost did. He said, would you read that for me again? They went through it five or six times. Every time she said, the Holy Ghost did. Finally, the last time, however many times it was, Brother Hagin said, ma'am, would you read that for me again? She said, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And, oh. She said, they, they, they began to speak with tongues. He said, that's exactly right. She said, well, I, I don't hardly believe that. She took his Bible out of the, the leather bookcase, the leather, the, uh, you know, Bible case that he was in to make sure it was the right kind of Bible. <laughs> she said, I thought you had a different one than I do, but it's just like mine. He said, now let me ask you this. He said, when I laid hands on you, any number of those times that I laid hands on you over the last week, were you impressed to speak in some language other than English? She said, it was all I could do to hold it back. He said, well, ma'am, you're not supposed to hold it back. You're supposed to let her go. He said, now, I could miss it. And if I do, you tell me. He said, but it seems to me that that same utterance is there for you to speak in tongues now. She, without stammering or stuttering or anything, she started lifting her voice and began to speak with other tongues fluently. 
All because she didn't understand how to yield. She didn't understand how to yield. The Holy Ghost does not speak in tongues. We do. He's the one that gives us utterance. Now let's go to the other part, the other reason. The only other reason why people fail to receive. And that is, and that has to do with chronic seekers. It's a lack of faith. Now when you say that, and this is the only time that I will use that term, a lack of faith. Because I see people use that term where people are believing to receive their healing. Or trying to receive their healing from God. And some people will say, more than anything else, in my opinion, to cover up their own shortcomings or their own lack of understanding. They'll say, well, you just don't have enough faith. Folks, Jesus never dealt with anybody in that way that he didn't help them to overcome that lack of faith. Jesus never just talked to somebody and said, well, you just don't have any faith and walk off and leave them. Yet you see that a lot in, in Pentecostal circles. You see an accusation made, well, you just don't have enough faith. And basically, in my experience, what that means is, well, the problem's not with me. It's got to be with you. Why does that help anybody? Folks, I'm not out to be right. I'm not out to help people. If God, I mean, God's the ultimate in being able to sit in heaven and say, no, 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 I know what you don't know. <laughs> How does that help? No, he sent Jesus so we would know. He gave us the Holy Ghost to reveal not to hide, not to hurt, not to condemn. So this is the only time I will use that term, a lack of faith, when it comes to people receiving. And here's what I mean by that. If somebody came to the altar to be saved and they asked for prayer to see if something would happen, they wouldn't get saved. But isn't it an easy thing for them to turn around and say, wait a minute, the Word of God says that if I'll simply choose to believe that Jesus came to the earth, went to the cross, and was raised from the dead, then I, and confess him as my Lord, then I will be saved. That's an easy fix, isn't it? Well, that's what people do with the Holy Ghost sometimes. They come to be prayed for, waiting to see what's going to happen. And that's not faith. That's hope. Most of the chronic seekers are chronic hopers. Most people that have been waiting for the Holy Ghost, for God to do something, have been hoping for something rather than believing in something. Yet we just read in Luke chapter 11 in the example that I gave you of the lady in Riverside, she built faith in her over a matter of a few minutes over great objections, numerous objections, by simply seeing that how much more shall your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them than asking? I think a lot of times people get filled on the, with the Holy Spirit just because we're confident in it. They may not be confident, but if you show your confidence in God coming through and honoring His Word, that'll help them over the edge. So those are the only two reasons ever why somebody will fail to receive. Either a lack of faith, they're hoping for something to happen, or wondering if something's going to happen rather than expecting it to happen. And secondly, it's a failure to yield to the Holy Ghost when He comes on them. The Spirit of God will come on someone when you pray for them to be filled with the Spirit. He'll come on them with the utterance, but it's up to them to use their tongue, their lips, their voice to speak out what the Holy Ghost has given them. Those are five things you need to know about the Holy Ghost. Those five things will help you get somebody filled every time. Those five things will cause you to be filled if you're one of those chronic seekers we've been talking about. Those five things. Folks, it's not a hit and miss thing with God. It's an absolute every time. Jesus told his disciples that after he went away, that he had sent the comforter, the helper, to be with us forever. The helper abides in you and me as children of God. 
Rely on Him today. Thanks for watching. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Then Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 to these very same people that had been born again, He said, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, is come upon you. So Jesus is telling those that are born again, you need something more. Well, what do you need? Power. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.